First of all, before we get going today, I want to make a handful of apologies. I've got a full family here. We're all holed up in this household together. And it's very difficult to get the private, quiet time I need to podcast. The second apology I want to make is that I have not been able to really edit this very much. So you're going to hear a lot of rawness. I'm sorry about the sound quality as well of my dear friend Jamie. There was nothing I could do about that, and so what we're going to hear is not the same sound smoothness that you usually hear. However, it is the reality of the situation, and here we go. Hey y'all, this is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 30. Ironically, it is a gorgeous day outside, absolutely fantastic. It's balmy here, and the sun is shining, and I am finally recovering. If you have wondered what might have been wrong with me all these weeks, again, let me say, so do I. But last night, I was finally able to sleep, and yes, my voice is still a little scratchy, and I have all of my kids here at the house, and we are sheltering in place. Regretfully, our governor is... um very old school white woman and has no intention of doing a shelter in place order for us. And if you look at the numbers in Alabama, you will worry for us too. I think what she said in her little news conference that she had, that this is not California. Uh, This is not New York. And she would be correct. It may end up being worse. But we've gone ahead and sheltered in place anyway. Because we have the fastest growing numbers down here. So I wonder what that's about. Could it be, I don't know, folks not listening to science? That might be it. Or thinking it's all a hoax. That's probably what it is too. Or, you know, that feeling of the sun is shining and it's so beautiful out that, hey, nothing can go wrong. So we are working right now to function as one unit. Um, We are six people strong here. We have rice and beans, so I reckon we won't starve. And everybody's been working themselves stupid. And I have a smart group. My Linwood has been just killing himself, tilling up things and weeding for us. And my son, the oldest, did a couple of rows yesterday for corn. And the baby's been going out almost every day to fish. So everyone's doing what they need to do. I, of course, am bossing everyone around, as is my right as a matriarch. And we're all hoping and praying to keep that baby that is growing in my daughter-in-law nice and safe and happy, because that will be my first, and hopefully not my only, grandchild. So we're very excited about that. And today, I have quite the surprise for y'all. I've told you about my best buddy, my best friend, best girlfriend from California. And we don't have all the fancy equipment to do one of those interview systems. So we're going to do this with 
the only technology we have. Without any further ado, let me introduce my best girl, Jamie. Hello. This is so strange. Okay. (laughs) Right. And it's strange for me, too, because I'm holding my phone up so that we can get this done for y'all. Jamie, why don't you tell everybody um, how we met and how we became so close? Well... I was fortunate enough to have a mutual acquaintance of ours, and she told me that I should be listening to this absolutely wonderful podcast, and I started listening. I don't honestly remember what number that was, if that was back 14 or 15 maybe, Mm -hmm. but I think it was in early December, and I lay in bed that night and put the podcast on and was just transported, and I just loved it. And I thought, you know, I have to write you a letter. I absolutely have to tell you that this is the perfect podcast for me. So I did, <laughs> and I, I didn't expect a response. I honestly didn't. I, you know, I, I, I sort of put it all out there and totally shocked me and wrote <laughs> Yes, I did. And that's where it all started. I think you put your telephone number at the bottom of an email. Mm-hmm. And then that I all, did. Yeah, and then I shocked you there, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, if anybody ever had an experience like this before, where you're sitting at home, minding your own business, living your life, <laughs> and then your phone rings, mm-hmm. and it's a person that you never in your life expected was going to actually call you, <laughs> calls you. And I, I literally did that whole, like, jumped up out of my seat with, with the feet stopping, almost screaming, like, oh my God, and answered the phone. And it was, you know, witchifying everything. It is all mm-hmm. magic. You, from the moment we started talking, it was just like, oh my God, I'm hearing a voice that I know, not just from like the podcast, but like I knew you immediately. Mm-hmm. And it was the most uncanny thing. I know, I feel like it, that was both ways. Yes, absolutely. It went both ways. And I think that right now, considering the situation that we're all in, it's one of the blessings, I think, that happened right before COVID-19 is that I ended up with this beautiful, you know, you, beautiful you, as this important human being in my life that I've never touched. I think that, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say, we maintain social distancing by default. Yeah. We are the professional social distancers. <laughs> yep. Not not content with six feet, we've got like well over a thousand miles between us. That's right. That's right. And I don't know. I think that's really important right now is to be able to celebrate these friends who, you know, you can't actually touch, but have touched your heart. So that's a really cool thing for me. Yeah. No, that's. The idea that you can talk with somebody and you can have a connection strong enough with them that you can feel them physically like pulling at your heart. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I'm saying physically, but I don't mean literally physically, but it's it might as well be because it's just that strong. Yeah. And I think every time we have talked, that has only gotten richer and deeper and it has meant so much being in social isolation and with everything going on to be able to have that that connection because it's stronger than any personal contact I've had in, you know, all this time. I, I agree. It absolutely floored me. And now we're to the place where, let me ask you a question, sweetheart. Um, you know, my husband tells me all the time when he's listening to my podcast, he says, don't interrupt. <laughs> he thinks it's a separate entity. And he, he says, you know, I've got a thing going on with, with Seba that's different <laughs> than what I have going on with you. And I get what he's saying to some extent. He needs that cognitive dissonance or whatever. Did you find that that was true too? That there's two kind of versions of me? You know, absolutely not for me. Hell yeah. It's strange. I mean, it was sort of like seeing, seeing somebody from a long way off and hearing their voice. And going, okay, like, yep, yep, like, that resonates. And then getting to, like, walk up really close and talk in person. And you were the same person that I saw from that distance, you know, when I actually started talking with you. And, yeah, no, I've, I've always just had a sense that you're just you. I don't, I don't have that split. That's awesome, because I feel the same way when I get an email from you. And then, you know, we talk, and it's the same you. It's absolutely wonderful. I guess some things are real, you know. I mean, the hubs probably needs to do it that way, because, you know, he has to live with me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and honestly, if if I were to somehow magically be transported, you know, to where you live, and we were to actually hang out and sit and have tea or a glass of wine or whatever and talk, I mean, there'd be bound to be a different dynamic. But at the same time, I am absolutely confident that that dynamic would only be kind of a further deepening and an amplification of what we have either via email or on the phone. Like, it would just be even more you. Right. And it's a beautiful thing when you realize that your assessment of somebody is right, you know, on the money. Like you saw and you got it clear and everything is just lined right up. I knew from the very beginning and I don't know how I knew. I'm not even going to pretend I don't I don't claim any kind of psychic abilities. I don't claim any kind of, you know, prescience or foresight. But I'll be damned if I didn't have just the biggest sense of, like, I knew from the start that you and I were going to be best friends. Like, I just knew it. And that's a magical impulse, by the way. Let's go ahead and and discuss that. Um, My sis over here, it does not actually outright, I don't think you do, baby, call yourself a witch. Is that correct? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think of myself as being any particular thing, although I do have over the last, you know, 
year or so at this point, I, I, I have been looking further into my own cultural heritage, my own ancestry, and I have been trying to be more in touch with the spirit of the land that my ancestors came from. And for me, that's, you know, that is Ireland, that's Scotland, that's England. <clears throat> like peripherally, that's the Vikings. So, right. I mean, I've, I've got plenty, of, I got plenty of good pagan heathen <laughs> background. You got good bones, baby. Yeah. So, you know, I... Who am I to say? But no, I don't. But I don't. But I don't call myself a witch. I don't. I don't call myself anything. I'm just Jamie. Uh, I love it. I love it. It's it's real and it's where you are. Well, one of the things we talked about recently, I asked if you thought that maybe we could do a podcast. Um, I think I maybe was hoping that you would, and we had to think about that a little bit. And you had an idea for one. Um, something to do with planning. You want to talk about that, honey? Yeah, yeah. Because ever since you introduced the phrase "witchifying everything" to me, I took that to heart, and I started thinking about what that meant to everyday activities, to to everything, whether that's witchifying taking a, a ride on your bicycle or witchifying the job that you have to go do, and what I thought was witchifying planning because it struck me that planning is one of the most important things we do in our lives because without plans it's just day to day and what are we doing you know you, you have to have plans in order to have some sense of where you're going yeah and i thought that's prime territory for witchifying planning i thought you'd be the one person in the world who would be able to say, okay, so what's witchifying everything and what's witchifying planning? Well, I'll tell you that you know this already. I tend to do spell work. And there's um, my friend Skippy, who's... um, Like me. Yeah, he's on the spectrum. And he's always telling me that he kind of looks at that, that kind of witchcraft or that kind of witchifying everything as programming the way his brain works he thinks of it as programming so he will program something for the future something that he would like to see grow and kind of lay out that kind of plan magically without any you know bells or whistles I'm a little bit of a bells and whistles kind of gal and I don't mean a lot of them But I might actually, you know, go sit by a tree and have a candle in particular and think out something, even if it's, you know, something as simple as I have to have a meeting with somebody that it's going to be painful for me to have. Uh And I want it to go well. I want it to be received well. And I will put in the best energy I can in that future place in my heart. And try to pull in all the good energy I get from nature to literally butter up that bread. And that's how I witchify little moments in the future. What are some of your ideas about how to do that for planning? Well, as an autistic person myself, I know that I have to rehearse things. Mm -hmm. I have to plan out ahead of me how certain things are going to go. 
scheduling is really important to me and having a sense of what I'm doing beforehand really helps because even though I'm able to mask socially, that is, you know, behave in a regular manner that most people looking at me would guess, internally for me, it's an awful lot of keeping my eye on what's going on and trying to read signs that frequently are kind of foreign to me because my brain doesn't work the way a lot of other people's brains work. Right. So what I thought was that in witchifying everything, what you're talking about, drawing that energy in, is sort of like an additional boost to that planning mm-hmm. and rehearsing. And for me also, it's kind of like then projecting that outward following your natural tendencies for the far future as well. So, I mean, your heart knows what it wants in life. I think we can all pretty much agree that even when we think our heart doesn't know what it wants, inevitably it winds up telling us at some point or another, yeah, it knew what it wanted. We just weren't ready to hear it. Yeah, I agree with you, baby. I think the thing is, is that when you allow your heart to participate in that you know, envisioning, as it were, and you're bringing to it your current state and bringing to it that energy of wanting to know and of wanting to be able to see that future, that you give yourself permission to plan in a way that maybe you haven't planned before, allowing yourself a little bit more leeway to put the bells and whistles on it, to flesh it out a little bit and to see what your heart really wants. You know, I don't know how much you know about astral travel or how much you've thought about it yourself, but we work on it over here in our tribe a little bit. We're careful with it. I do believe that it is quite possible, but I've I've noticed some gaps in the craft that I'm going to bring up here because they're making me think what you're saying is bringing it to mind. And one of the gaps in the craft for me is astral travel is this thing where you can go look into the future. There are other ways to do it, but there's a specific way to do it with astral. Um, Look at the past. Um, We call present astral travel in our tribe, we call it sliding, sliding across the plane. But I'm very careful to warn my students to not mess with things too much (laughs) while you're, you know, looking, you know, as it were, um, through astraling or even possibly, depending on what your belief system is, being actually present there for a moment. If we do believe that we can visit, if you will, the future a bit, then we should also understand the possibility for affecting that future. And if instead of changing actions for that future, we just, as I say, go butter the bread of that future. Go put some good energy down on that future. Go invest a little love there. It's like seeding future ground. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, you know, I think we had a conversation one time. And we were talking about, you know, our general understanding of life, the universe, and everything. Yes. And the thing that I remember saying was that from my perspective, the place where I am in my life now, I have a really strong sense 
of the timelessness of the now that that when people say you know now is the only real time they don't realize i think sometimes the actual depth of that statement which was everything that has happened and everything that will happen that all of it the only reason why we have the illusion of time is so that it doesn't all happen at once and it's sort of spread out around us but it's not something where it's fixed it's not in the sense that you don't have an active role to play in it that your life is predestined i don't believe in predestination no me either what i sort of think is that we shape the whole dynamic with our mind now this now that we have that is the only now we will ever have throughout our entire lives it's all working back and forth that's how we change our perceptions of tragedies that happen to us in our lives mm-hmm. and it's how we shape things in the future knowing that there can be accidents knowing that things can go awry because we don't see that whole picture but based on where we are now we sort of mold how that course is going to run so barring any real big accidents we can sort of like guide ourselves through what is effectively an understanding of whole does that make any sense it totally does i think that it's really hard to discuss right now because of our current situation with this virus but at the same time, I think it gives me a lot of hope, you know, it, it, to yeah. understand that now can affect then and focusing harder on now with love and hope for the future. It, it somehow does land there. Oh, wait, my rooster's crowing. <laughs> that, that is the proverbial rooster call of your podcast. <laughs> I mean... That's, yeah, I, the number of times I've heard your rooster, I, you know, I might as well have chickens myself. (laughs) Jamie, baby, will you tell us what it's like in California um, from a real perspective right now and what the sense of feeling is out there, hon? Oh, yeah, it's right now there is this level of constant anxiety. And, and I, now, mind you, I need to be really, really upfront and clear. I am something of an agoraphobe. I spend a lot of time by myself naturally. But it's not that I'm asocial or antisocial. It's just my circumstances and the fact that I'm a little bit different from most people. But I try to be a good observer. And so my best source of observation either from the news or from anything else, my best source of, of observation is from my workplace. And I know my coworkers have been in a completely different headspace than I have ever seen them. There is a worry and there is a fear and they know people who are sick and I don't think I know anybody at work at this particular point who's had any significant loss because of it. But it's there but californians in general are well they're californians they are kind of uh belligerent when it comes to having things not go their way i know that this podcast is adult ears friendly yes it is um 
So, so I want to share something from, uh, I don't know if you knew, Matt Groening, the uh, artist who brought us The Simpsons, and who, before The Simpsons, brought us a wonderful comic series called Life in Hell, and had the most apropos uh, description of Californians versus New Yorkers that I have ever in my life seen, because it just rang completely true, which was that in New York, they say, fuck you, and what they mean is, hello, and in California, they say, hey, and what they mean is, fuck you. <laughs> so, that's pretty on target. That's groovy, man. That's groovy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, there, but, yeah, no, the, the, the vibe here has been, there's, people are really unhappy about being told that they can't go out. They want to go out, they're inconvenienced, they're agitated, they want to continue to do their stuff, and yet at the same time, I know from my coworkers that there is a lot of, well, to put it in, in certain Marxist terms, there is a lot of class consciousness developing among the workers uh -huh. about the fact that they are expected to come and do a job at personal risk to their health, Right, and that doesn't sit well. People don't want to have to be exposed to this. It's scary. I agree. And I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. my scene. Well, I wanted to, to say that I know that, you know, for a few days you were having a bit of trouble getting to food. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they like everywhere else, there was a run on our, uh, on our supermarkets. I order groceries through um, a, a grocery delivery service because I do not have a car and I do not drive. And there was a period when I went to go place my grocery order about a week later than I had intended to. And that was really, really a bad mistake on my part. Because <sighs> when I went to go place my grocery order, all the potential delivery times were grayed out. And there was no explanation at that point. And I thought, okay, well, they only allow you two days out. So I'll wait a day and see if the day after tomorrow opens up. And then it was, oh, well, let's see, you know, if Obermorrow opens up. And then it was, oh, my goodness, I'm running out of food and I still can't place a grocery order. And then my roommates finally said, hey, you know what? We noticed that you're really running low on food in the refrigerator here. And, you know, we'll, we'll look for stuff. Do you have a list? And I gave them my list and they went shopping first one place and then another place and then a third place and they texted me each time saying i'm so sorry there's nothing there's nothing in these stores wow yeah it took a fourth place for them to finally find enough to to fill up you know my refrigerator for me a little bit to get me through for a week or so but i mean we've been bare I mean, and, and, you know, from necessities to even the regular little stuff that you would think, ah, there's always hundreds of, you know, that thing, but I was out too. Hey, Jimmy, can, can I interrupt you for a second? Love, Muffin, um, yeah. we have a issue here that I'm going to go ahead and live record. I have a chicken who has on me that I'm two hours late. And we're going to live record me walking out there and giving her so. The situation is such that I had to go potty and I had to go feed the chickens and I kept Jamie with me and then there was a bit of an explosion on the farm of dogs and kids and we're doing the best we can today, ain't we, honey? 
yeah, and it was it was pure amusement for me on my end. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I just sat here just like smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so where were we, darling? Do you remember where we were? You know, <laughs> all I have left in my head right now is we were on the farm. <laughs> You were on the farm with me. I was on the farm with you. That was, yep, yep. yep. As we say, you know, that's the slide I was talking about. You are suddenly present. And yeah. we are not in control of the chickens and the dogs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All, all of life's little ups and downs and bumps and bruises and, and all the little weird things. Like, yeah, no, we're, we're, it's being part of a whole process. And it's finding yourself in that process and then realizing where you want to go and, and, and knowing in your heart that that's the direction. And once you know, once you have that sense and you're open and honest enough with yourself, you know, reaching out to that and, and not pulling yourself towards it per se, but, but just you know, as you said, butter in the bread, and, the, and and I was thinking grease in the rails, oh, yeah. you know, you know, it's it's just giving you that extra little security, and yeah, this is where I'm going to go, this is where I want to be, and manifesting that in yourself. Never any guarantee, you can't possibly guess or predict all the little things that may happen. I'm sitting here, and I just, I'm trying not to have, you know, first world problems right now um i remember the first time my daughter ever used that phrase with me and it was so perfect and i thought yeah there's a lot of things that are just that get so big in their first world problems mm-hmm. you know they're not like oh do i have shelter do i have food do i have water but it still does affect us and we shouldn't feel yeah. ashamed if you know for instance my son had to get hitched in a way that he was wanting a big wedding and we wanted to do a baby shower and um his birthday he turned 24 yesterday and we wanted to do all kinds of cool stuff but my birthday is on april 4th that's next week and um you know we may have dandelion tea <laughs> so, it's also bringing families and friends i hope that are surviving closer together what I mean by that is that we're having a moment to say to each other, don't buy me anything. Just tell me what I mean to you today. You know, that's my gift. Paint a pretty rock, make a phone call and tell me everything you ever loved about me. That is the birthday thing for me these days. And that is the, I don't know, the way to celebrate each other. I, I asked Lynn to write me a song to play on his guitar. You know, here in the middle of hell, and let's not lie to each other. We're in the middle of hell. Uh The the things that are beautiful are so much more beautiful right now. Magic is so much more beautiful. The trees are so much more beautiful. Love is just heartbreakingly beautiful right now. And we, as we were talking in the break, I said, you know, it's like love in the time of cholera. Beautiful yeah. book. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I know it's hard. I know, you know, you, I, everyone has their moment where they break in these days right now and have to have a good cry. Yeah. 
Yeah. What? Well, I, I, mm. I, had my, I had my moment uh, the other day when it all caught up with me. And I don't even remember now what it was I was looking at. Some story, and I don't even know if it was necessarily related to all of this, it was, but it was a, an emotional, you know, pointed story. And whatever it was, it struck me. And I just found myself sitting at my computer just sobbing because all of a sudden, all of this weight of what's going on just pressed down too hard for a little bit. And yeah. it really is. It's a, you know, it's a nightmare. Yeah. And at the same time, like, it's like you're saying, you know, the whole idea of first world problems, you know, it's like there's perspective. And then there's the other side of that of that coin, you know. Yeah. You gotta be able to remember your your emotions are valid. It may be something trivial. It may be something that's not such a big deal. It's not life or death. You're not running for your life or wondering where you're going to get enough firewood to keep your fire lit all night. That's that's. It doesn't have to be. Right. Sometimes life is just a lot. No matter what your life is, sometimes life is just a lot, and it gets heavy, and it's hard. And if you need to have that breakdown because you're not going to be able to get your kids to something that, you know, they were supposed to have an appointment, you were supposed to take them, and now you can't, I mean, cancel problem. You get to feel however you feel. What you do with that feeling, that makes a real difference. And it was what struck me when you said about, you know, first world problems is in a way, a good way to look at that is to turn that over and say, okay, so what am I grateful for? Yeah. And you sort of brought it up really nicely in saying, you know, what you're looking forward to on your birthday more than anything is that connection, that human expression of love and friendship and solidarity and and togetherness that doesn't have to do with physical distance. It's it's about what you share with other people that really matter. And the gratitude that you can feel like I feel when I get a chance to talk with you. It's it's immeasurable and invaluable and precious as anything. It's worth more than all the gold in the world to have that connection and compassion and care. And so I'm grateful for these things. And they don't negate or belittle the first world problems. It's all peace because it's your life. This is what we've got to work with. You know, I don't know if you remember seeing this in your life ever, but I have, excuse me, everybody, still get my voice. I have seen it over and over. I think they call it grief contest. When someone maybe dies and there's a bit of a grief contest, um, I'm hurting more than you kind of thing. And I've always advised that, you know, you cannot compare hells. A hell for one person may not be a hell for someone else. We're all so diverse and beautifully different. And as I like to say, fucked up beautiful. And, you know, my hell may be that I didn't get to see my son's, you know, big, beautiful wedding. No, it's not, but I'm just using it as an example. Someone else's hell today may be way worse. But comparing hells right now, I just feel that it's... um. It's not human to do that. 
you know, it's not human. I've had a lot of babies, so I've been through a lot of labor. And I remember them asking me in the 80s and the 90s, where's your pain level right now on a gauge between 1 and 10? Well, my 5 or my 7 could be way different than somebody else's pain threshold. So I think it's important to remember that some people are out there right now struggling with depression, anxiety, isolation, and their hell at a level five, you know, could, or let's say a level seven, could be my level two. This is the time for extreme compassion, radical love and understanding. I don't think we have any room left anymore for us to be right now competitive or bitchy or just callous about somebody else. Um, I don't know what you think, but as, as a witch, I would say that one of my responsibilities is being an agent of change. And I want to put out as much. It sounds tree huggery. Y'all, I'm just as guilty as the next person of wanting to kick somebody's ass. Okay. But it's true. I can get ugly. As my grandma says, don't be ugly. But right now, that is not the right response. That's not the job that we should be doing. It's more, what did I say? Radical compassion. Radical everything. Let's be real. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, no, I very much agree. See, I just did that thing. I, I'm sorry, this is a complete aside, but I want to clarify because I know not everybody out there is Californian. And I always say, no, yeah. And that's, <laughs> you, you can just ignore that. Um, the yeah part is the agreeing part. The no is I don't have any disagreements. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I... <laughs> you know, you just put me in the mind of that movie, Valley Girl. You know, you and I are of a certain age, girlfriend. And you remember Valley Girl? They say, no, oh, yeah. no, yeah, no, yeah, totally. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it is 100% a Californian thing. I don't, I, I thought that was just, you know, universal that everybody said it. And then I one day found out that, no, in fact, that is just the fact that I grew up here on the West Coast in California, and especially Southern California. Yeah. And yeah. No. It's. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I, radical compassion, radical acceptance, radical love. Yeah. Uh, and and it, you know, it, they always say charity. Charity starts at home. And the thing is, is that what we all very much need to do is remember that we are all very, very human. Yes. And we are, we are as far as animals go in the world, we're top of the food chain, but we are also just a mess. We're a hot mess. Otherwise, we wouldn't be undergoing half the shit that we're undergoing as a species right now. And no need to go into all that because everybody, I'm sure, knows all the details of that. Right. But if you start with the premise that your life means something, and you follow that outward. You go, okay, so my life, it's meaningful. It has meaning. And therefore, other people's lives are meaningful and have meaning. And compassion towards others and empathy towards others, you know, I feel like that helps alleviate the alienation that we feel 
when we start feeling all alone in the world, when we realize that we are in this together and we live in this world together and we are going to get through all this together. And that's what I think of as being kind of like a pagan spirit. Yes. My understanding of history and how we got from where we were back when, when we were still, you know, nomadic and and following herds across endless empty miles to where now we're living in little boxes in big cities, you know, and and going back and forth to jobs where we punch on plastic keys all day to make numbers happen. I mean, it's a huge shift for the human being to get from one to the other. Right. And you look back at how human beings looked at their world then and their connection to things, their connection to the earth, their connection to each other was just essential. Like there was no life outside of those connections. If you went wandering off into the wilderness by yourself, you were just gone. That was the end of that. Now people are sort of surprised if you want to make contact with them, if you try to talk to them for real. And I get told an awful lot by people on my Facebook. People say to me, and, and, and I take it as such a deep compliment, and it's very meaningful to me. People say, you are so open and vulnerable, and I admire that so much. About you just lay it out, out there, and you just are honest about these things. And for me, that is... It's a critical thing because when I share myself openly and openly receive back from people, I don't get hostility back or or disagreement or nastiness or anything. What my openness and my honesty tends to get back from the people that I cultivate in my life is empathy and understanding. And there's an exchange that happens that it, in a certain sense, validates the experiences that I'm having, that I recognize in myself, but that need reflection. And at the same time, I give that gift to them as well. My friends are able to then look at something and they feel something that if I hadn't shared, they may not have had that experience to feel and to resonate with. And now they're carrying that resonance. Yes, it's a very much a modeling thing, you know. You know, as the things we've heard since childhood, you you put out this love, you put out this compassion, you do get some back. Now, you don't always, but mm-hmm. it does encourage it. It's infectious, just like yeah. COVID-19. So I guess the question is, is what kind of um, thing do we want to put out there right now that is truly also infectious? And I think it's a very difficult thing to do when you're scared but it, it yeah. it's like it's like jumping off a mountain yeah but we we have to try to keep something beautiful inside of ourselves right now we have to yeah so. I, yeah it is critically important in a time that is so filled with anxiety and fear and worry that is all legitimate it is really, really important for us to strengthen the bonds of friendship and love that we have in a way that helps strengthen it within ourselves and then with others. And one of the things that I've been trying very hard to do with my friends is to tell them that I love them. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, people that I am basically on an acquaintance level with, mm-hmm. you know, I've never met them in person. We talk now and then via comments. We, you know, we like and we love each other's, you know, posts and whatnot. When I get a chance to actually say something to them in a comment, I almost all the time will I'll either put a heart or I will just straight up say, I love you. And I do that because I do feel that they are out there living their lives. They are going through the same things I'm going through. They're going through different things that I don't know about. If I'm going through different things they don't know about. But what one thing we have in common is that we're going through this together. And so in that togetherness, in that moment of recognizing what we all face together, what I give them is this truth. I never say it lightly, and I never say it as a throwaway. I always tell people, I love you, because I do care, and it does matter, and we all matter. You know, I wanted to tell you that um, a long time ago, um, honestly, right after my daddy died, he was, I'm 54 here in a minute and a week, and my dad was this bright, shining star in my life. He was New Jersey cop. So he fit very awkwardly into our family unit. But he taught me that daddies don't hurt you. He taught me that that I was valuable as a woman, something I think you and I both need to hear. And he died suddenly. He was 52 and what we thought was perfect health. Um, He was planting a, a flower for my mama in the backyard on their anniversary. He had um, stuffed some mushrooms and chilled some champagne, and she was on her way home. And he had a hematona, hematoma, one of those words that's hard for Seba to say, um, explode and, and kill him. And I will say that that was my tsunami. That was my crash, that phone call. That old song by Train, Calling on Angels, was playing or whatever it's called. And I was working out on a treadmill and they called me to the front desk. That literally was the hardest moment that I've had to go through in my life. And I've been raped, I've been beaten, I've felt lots of things in my 54 years. That was it for me. But he practiced radical awakeness every day of his life. He would wake up, he would begin planning dinner, and it was a celebration. He would find a banana spider outside and wake us up at 3 a.m. if we were visiting and drag us outside to look at the banana spider because it was critical and had to be done immediately. After he did that sudden pass on me in my 30s, I remember thinking to myself, I have to tell people when I love them, I, I, even if it makes them mad or they don't hear me or it's not valued or I can't get anything back. I have to say this thing. So I started a new thing, sis, and that's been a long time I've been doing it. And usually around somebody's birthday or when I think they're low, I'll call them up and I'll say, if this is your phone call. And they know what I mean. They have to be quiet. And Southerners are really bad, sis, about taking compliments. And they'll interrupt you and go, no, 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 no. But they have to be quiet. This is your phone call. And I'll say, I love the way your thumbs look when you're holding a glass of wine. 
I love the way you laugh and snort a little. I love that you think you're brave, but you're actually sometimes just pretending and you do it for my sake. And I do it until I literally exhaust myself. That now to me is a life raft. And I think that's something I would encourage anyone to do right now is to make that call. Even if you haven't spoken to your mother in 20 years or whatever, if there are things left to be said, write it on a letter, you know, say these things. We are finally seeing that time is short and that life can be brutal. We don't have time not to say, I love the way your silly thumb looks when you're holding a glass of wine. By the way, that's for you, Bates. I love you. But I don't know. We got to close this thing down. Any final thoughts on surviving this thing in a magical way? Which, how in the hell, baby, do we witchify COVID 19? Well, because that's, that's everything. Really, yeah. That's a, that's a deep question. That is a really deep question. And I think, honestly, if you look through all the times in history that really big disastrous things happen like like COVID-19 pretty badass yeah <laughs> you go back to ni- you go back to 1918 in the Spanish flu and you go okay that was some really hard times you go back to the black plague and you you look at like you know some whole towns were wiped out and you go okay like Maybe this is my experience here, and I'm actually getting off a little lucky here. It's hard, but there's still time. There is still space. There is still the opportunity that we have. Other people didn't get, but we have it. Yeah. We have the opportunity to look at this threat and still raise our chins up and then turn our back and look back at our friends and say, I love all you people. You're good people. <laughs> you know what? And, and, and just, you know, do that, do that traditional, I don't know, I, I want to say this is really a Gen X thing, and I know <laughs> you'll feel me here. Yes, I will. Do that thing, do that thing where, the, where, the, where the big bad is now behind you because you turned your back on it to look at your friends and to give them props, and meanwhile you raise both your hands up and you backward flip it off with both fingers. <laughs> breakfast club baby (laughs) exactly you're just you're gonna be you're gonna be defiant yes in the face of stuff like this and that's part of that is in keeping your head on what matters most in your life and what matters most in your life my life everybody's life comes down to our relationships, comes down to those connections, comes down to that soil under your feet that you can bend down and put your fingers in. The trees, the sky, the birds, the clouds, the oceans, the mountains, the whole of this thing that is life is what matters. And when death comes threatening like this and goes and takes away things from you and tries to break you, there's a lot of defiance that you can call on because, you know, this still matters. As that's long right. as you're alive, it matters. That's, that's right. I think my, my, that's, I think, my final thought. I think that whoever survives this thing, and hopefully it will also include you and I, but whoever survives this thing, I hope they come out with their middle fingers up behind them. And I hope they remember what life was supposed to be 
was supposed to be a glorious fucking celebration. Yeah, and you, 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 put, you put me in mind of one more thing. I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get, I gotta get. Y'all are seeing what our I, conversations are really like now, too. Because <laughs> so at this point, I'm just talking with you. Uh-huh. But honestly, I have, to, I have to have one small political moment here. Go for it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to call names out. I'm not going to name names, but, but you all are going to know who I'm talking about in the general sense. And part of this also right now, when you're looking around and you're counting all the people that matter in your life, I think it's really important for all of us to look at the people right now who are trying to tell us that, no, you need to go back to work because the economy has to keep running. And yeah, yeah. Who are, treating us, who are treating us like we are secondary to them making money and a profit and, you know, be aware who your enemies in this world are. Stand up for yourself and your friends and your loved ones and what you care about. And just even if nothing else happens, I'm not telling you to pick up a pitchfork or a torch or to go drag that guillotine out of your garage, you know. Oh, damn. I wanted to. (laughs) That's for our conversation later when we're planning. But just be aware who's on your side and who's fighting for you and who's fighting beside you and who's fighting against you. And then go vote. Mm-hmm. Make yourself heard. Make yourself felt. You and your loved ones matter. We all matter. And we get to stand up for that. Because that's, damn that's straight. God. That's our now. That's our now. And now is what we have. That was wonderful. I'm going to keep my sis and best friend on the phone. So we're going to continue our talk because we are in love with each other. We had a conversation about that once. I feel that we fall in love with people, not only in romantic senses. I'm in love with my children. I'm in love with my dog. And I'm in love with with you, Jamie. I'm in love with you. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, no, friendship, friendship, friendship is one of the most glorious, beautiful things that you could possibly have in this world. And I value, I value the friendships where I get to make that connection as real as I can make it. And sometimes that happens with people normally, and sometimes it doesn't happen in the way that you would hope. And that's okay. You know, you can still love on them from a distance, but there are those people, those people who come along that just matter in a way that you can't put a value on. That's you and me. Yeah. Right there. Oh, yeah. This is our radical moment, and what we do now will matter. Someone's going to talk about us 100 years from now, and it matters what we do now. So, all right. With that, I highly encourage y'all to stay the fuck home. If you can. You hear, Jamie? She said, do it. Do it. Because here's the thing, I know we may lose our cars. I know that we may lose a lot of things. Don't lose your life. We love y'all. Stay the fuck home. You want to blessed be that for me? Blessed be. (laughs) So mote it be. So mote it fucking be. Y'all come around next week. I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but we'll do this together. Love y'all like chicken. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.